Thanks for joining us here on Brit David Podcast for the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, God's Favorite Song, from Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. What is your favorite song? We all seem to have one. Yours may be a different musical style than someone else, but it is still your favorite. It's still the song that touches your heart more than any other song out there. Did you know that God has a favorite song? The prophet Zephaniah talks about him singing, and he puts you right there in the middle of it. Here's Pastor Tim. The subject of the song is you. All right, so let's go back to verse number 17 again, right where we left off. We've got those first two lines that tells us about him. It tells us about who this singer is. But now we get the song itself. It says, he will rejoice over you with gladness. You know what it tells me about his song? That it is a cheerful song. It's a cheerful song. This is not some dirge. This is not some funeral song. This is a happy song. If he's thinking about you, then the thoughts that he's thinking are coming out and being expressed in song. So he says, he will rejoice over you. There is joy and there is gladness that takes place. It is a cheerful song. We think about redemption. Is there a happier theme? Is there really anything that should rejoice our hearts anymore than to know that we are saved? That he's done everything that's necessary for us to be made right with him. When we sing about our salvation, it ought to be similar to when he sings about our salvation. You know, today, when our new friend Terrell invited Christ to come into his heart right back here at the very back, uh, just today, just, just during this worship service today, while the children were singing, he gave his heart to Jesus. You know what the Bible says was happening in heaven? All of heaven is rejoicing over this one. Well, what does that mean? Who's there? Well, those that have gone before us. I bet Terrell has some people in his family who've known the Lord and they've, they've passed on out of this world and they're there. And they see that Terrell now has given his heart to Jesus. You know that they're clapping and singing and, and dancing and having a big time because this one in their family's given his heart to Jesus. Those that have gone before us are in heaven. Angels are in heaven. In fact, there, there's one of our uh, gospel writers who will be so specific as to say the angels in heaven rejoice. They do. They rejoice over something that they themselves have not even experienced. Can you imagine singing about something that you really don't have any idea what that's really about? The Bible says that those angels will sing for all of eternity. But that we, when we get to heaven, we sing a song that is a song that the angels themselves cannot sing. The song of redemption. There's somebody else in heaven, isn't there? If all of heaven is rejoicing, then you've got to have the people who are already there. You've got to have the angels, and you have to have God. God on the throne, the Son of God seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father, singing a happy, happy song 
about salvation. About you coming to Christ. Number two. Not only is it a cheerful song, it is a calming song. It's a calming song. Look at the next line. He says, he will quiet you in his love. He will quiet you. He will calm you. In the same way that when Jesus was on that boat and that storm is there and they they come to Jesus and they finally wake him up and they say, Jesus, don't you even care about us? Don't you care that we're drowning in all of this? And the Bible says Jesus just got up and said, peace be still. Your translation may say, be quiet. In, In essence, that's really what he's saying. He's saying what my grandmother never would let me say. Shut up. (laughs) That's what he's saying to the waves. And what happened? They became completely still. What he's doing is quieting the uproar that's in your life. The storms that you go through. The tumultuous times. The times that are so stirring that you don't know which way is even up. He can calm that. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's a calming song. In fact, go back once again, back up to verse number 16. It says, in that day it's going to be said to Jerusalem. Look at the very first thing he says. Do not fear. Do not fear. When you come before the Lord, especially as his child, you don't have to be afraid, do you? You don't come to hear him in that kind of fear. We come to him in reverence. We come to him in awe. We come to him in humility. But he's the one who says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. His song is not going to cause fear in you because he doesn't want that fear in you. He says, you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. His song is a calming song. We probably don't have memories that go back quite this far. But I bet you at some point you were disturbed as a little baby. And your mama held you, your grandmama held you. They sang a song and suddenly your heart was calmed over whatever it is that's going on. It's a calming song. Number three, it is a caring song. He says he will quiet you in his love. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say that he will quiet you with his love. He doesn't use his love simply as a tool to to calm you. Instead, you are in his love. It's a positional place where you are. Not Not just that you are the object, that you are the project that he's working towards. You are in relationship with him, in a love relationship with him. And so this song that he sings is a song that is made up out of his love, out of his tenderness, out of his affection that he has for you. He will quiet you in his love. It's a cheerful song. It is a calming song. It is a caring song. 
number four, it's a catchy song. It is a catchy song. Look at the very last thing he says in verse 17. He will rejoice over you with singing. He's repeating himself, isn't he? He says in that first line, at least, of what we're looking at in this section in the middle, he will rejoice over you with gladness. Now he says it again. He will rejoice over you with singing. It's that repetition that helps songs become catchy, and you get that, you get that in your mind, and you can't get rid of it. You know? If we were to sing the baby shark song, you'd be singing a baby shark song all night long. You know? I don't even want to hear the doop, doop, doop. I don't want to hear that. It's catchy though, isn't it? The song that Jesus sings over you is a song that is catchy. One that he continues to sing over and over and over and over again. And never gets tired of. Well, if it's a catchy song, then that means that there's one last thing that I need to tell you. And that's the sequel. The sequel to the song is ours. The sequel to the song is ours. So if, if he is singing, and he's singing this song that is calming and comforting and cheerful and caring, and it's catchy, well then suddenly I start singing the song. But my song is not the same as his song. Because I'm the recipient of his grace. I'm the recipient of his love. He is the giver of it. And so he begins to sing from the perspective of, of him being the initiator of our salvation. I get to sing as the recipient of that love. In fact... Let's go back a little further. Let's go back to the beginning of the paragraph. Paragraph begins in verse number 14. And this time he's not talking about him singing. This time it's a direction. In fact, he gives us a command. He says, sing, O daughter of Zion. He's talking to his people. He's talking to those who are believers. He's talking to us. And the thing that he's telling us to do is to sing, sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel. We're the ones who are singing this song. So let me give you these observations. Having said that, at the beginning of verse number 14, it tells me that when we sing, we need to sing with our mouth. We need to sing with our mouth. It's not just a humming. It's not just having it in our, in our mind, so to speak, and let it go. We're to sing. You know, I don't, I don't know if I should say this, Sean, but I'm going to say it anyway. Can you imagine Sean standing up here leading music that he's spent the whole week figuring out, you know, what we need to sing and those kind of things, and he looks out in the crowd and he sees this, you know, or they're standing, you know, they've already sat down, everybody else is standing up and just refusing to sing. And sometimes people will say, well, I just, I can't sing. Well, the truth of the matter is I can't sing. I mean, not well, everybody can sing, just not well, right? But God loves it. 
He loves your singing. In fact, it says that he inhabits your praises. He is right there in the midst of that. He wants to hear you sing. So the per- person in front of you might not appreciate it. Might need to find somewhere else, they might need to find somewhere else to sit, right? But when Sean leads us, we need to sing with our whole heart to fill this place with that kind of volume. You know, several, several years ago, the Sons of Jubal went to a church over in Alabama, in Phoenix City. And we went, Dana and I went. And, uh, and I, I don't remember, let's just say that the concert started at 7 o'clock. So we got there at like 6.58, which meant there ain't a seat to be found except in the dead front where nobody wants to see it, right? So we made our way up there and we sat there. When that choir began to sing, first thing I thought was, this place is filled with volume. I couldn't believe what they were singing. I I couldn't believe the way that it sounded. I mean, it was... It was as close to anything angelic as I've ever heard. Except for like this morning when the children sang. We're all in it, right? Last week when the choir sang, all in. So every time that we get the chance to sing, we need to sing. Sing with our mouths. Number two. We need to sing with our mind. We need to sing with our mind. You know, I've been going to church my entire life. As as long as I can remember, I've always been in church. We were in church on Sunday mornings. We were in church on Sunday nights. We were in church on Wednesday nights. And the hymns that are in that hymn book, we went through the green hymn book. We went through the red hymn book. We went through the next hymn book, you know. And all those songs that we sang, I know those words. You know, sometimes when we sing in here, I, I, I find myself, I'm not looking at the words. I'm not doing that. I'm just kind of singing along. You know, the problem with that sometimes, familiarity breeds contempt, right? Familiarity will keep me from engaging my mind in what I'm doing. And just singing, just going through the motions. There's so many people who use that as their excuse of their entire Christian life. They're just going through the motions. There's no exercise of mind, no exercise of heart. We need to exercise our minds. You know, I say I like the Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It is so theologically deep. You know, it it ain't about Santa coming to town. It ain't about bells jingling or whatever. It is about the truth of Scripture as that gets expressed in music. I need to think through those words that get said. And as I'm saying them, I need to make sure that it's my heart that's right with those very same things. That leads me then to number three. Not only do we sing with our mouth, not only do we sing with our mind, but we also sing with our mood. With our mood. We kind of left off our verses. Let's go back to it in verse number 14. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice. 
That's with my mind. But notice what he says. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. Your heart is your mind and your will and your emotions. Right? It's all a part of that. Be glad and rejoice. Whatever the mood is. I'm to sing out of the experience that I have. Why? Why is it that I Surrender All is such a difficult song really to sing? Because in my heart, I'm not sure that I, I'm not sure I can really sing that right. All to Jesus I surrender. And I want that to be true. Just not sure sometimes that it is. You know, when, when we begin to sing that song, and I, and, I, and I think about the, you know, it is well with my soul. And he says, my sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. My mood cannot help but be right when we sing those kinds of songs. So we sing with our mouth, we sing with our mind, we sing with our mood, and we sing for our Messiah. We sing for Him. Look at that as verse 14 finishes. Rejoice and be glad with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. Singing to the Lord. I'm singing all the way full circle back to this God who is personal to me. This God who has saved me. This God who walks with me. This God who never leaves me and never forsakes me. I'm singing for Him. That's why it doesn't matter what the person next to you or the person in front of you thinks about your singing. You're not singing it for them. You're singing it for Him. And it's a song worth singing because it's God's favorite song. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. Do you know that song? Do you know the song of redemption? The song whose verse is all about you? What should you do about that? This prophet says that we are to sing, even as he sings. If you don't get anything else out of this tonight, please get this. This passage tells me that God loves me, that he loves you, and he cares about you. So let's sing to him, you want to? Maybe you need to pray. Maybe you need to come to the altar and pray. It's okay. But if you're not doing that, then I encourage you to sing. You ready? Jesus, the song that we give to you right now is for you. A song of worship. A song of praise. A song of our own commitment toward you. Father, we pray that you would receive it. That you would be blessed by it. That you would inhabit it. Father, lead us to be like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.
Pastor Tim thanks you for joining us here today on Brit David Podcast. And he would like to invite you to check out our past messages here in our podcast library. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast. <laughs>